Video Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All-Around Joe Podcast, I am incredibly honored and excited to get to interview a friend of mine, David Reef. And this podcast is all about essentially how to be strong and excel at life. And the reason it's about that is because David is an incredibly strong weightlifter that excels at that sport. And he's just a super cool all-around dude that has some very, very cool tactics for how to be a good person, how to get things accomplished, etc., etc. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast. Before we hop right into the interview, this podcast is brought to you by Audible. And there are some awesome books that David recommends towards the end of this podcast. And I would highly recommend that you go to allaroundjoe.com slash audible and pick yourself up one of these books for free on us. So that's allaroundjoe.com slash audible. And you can pick up one of these awesome books that David has recommended. So I hope you enjoy the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can drop them in the show notes at allaroundjoe.com slash 137. Enjoy. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. How are you? I'm doing awesome as well. It is actually sunny here, so things are looking up. Yeah, it's uh, overcast but warm in Portland. <laughs> I love it. It's finally, the weather's turning. That's right. Uh, yeah, for those of you, of you listening, you know, here in Seattle and down in Portland, we might not get that much of these sunny days. So when we get them, the lights just like turn on in our heads. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I've known you for, gosh, I feel like we've got, we got to hang out like once a week um, from January through March. So that was super awesome. And I, I learned a lot from you. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast here. And, oh. but nobody else really knows who you are. So let's start by having you let us know who the heck are you? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm Dave. That's what I make of it. And then off of what you perceive, I mean, I try to be a good person when it comes to most stuff. As for occupation, I'm a chiropractor, uh, educator, uh, coach sometimes. And then in my opinion, I identify most as a weightlifter. <laughs> All right. What was your like background? How did you get into weightlifting, chiropractics? What did that road look like for you? Uh, weightlifting was 11, 12. I was a obese kid and wanted to get fit because I didn't have a high opinion of myself. Brothers being brothers, uh, my, my brother Joe, he essentially being the brother that he is, he's like, well, get your ass into the gym. You can drop by. It's going to be free. And back then, you could just get off the bus from the middle school I was at at the high school. So in sixth grade, I started lifting weights. And wow. my first coach was John Thrush. And that's how I started with lifting. Holy smokes. You stepped into list, lifting with John Thrush? Yeah. It was, he was a, 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 a volunteer and a paraeducator at, at uh, Auburn High School. And, you know, it's all hindsight that I got to compete and get coached under John Thrush, which was the best, in my opinion, the best coach in the country, obviously, because I'm biased, but one of the top coaches in the U.S. and the world for the USA. Holy smokes. I didn't know that. That's, man, I wish I had a coach like that for anything that I would have started in right off the bat. Right. Jeez. <laughs> Very, so, very lucky. Yeah. So like, were you immediately excited about it when you started it? And did you, had you done any other athletics leading up into that? No, I did fourth grade, uh, intramural volleyball. I did fifth grade basketball and then essentially walked right into weightlifting, which I'm going to be a weightlifter probably till I'm dead. Honestly, a weightlifter doing other stuff. I mean, I played soccer through high school rec, uh, two years. And I played senior level volleyball, or not volleyball, uh, football. So essentially, I was a third screen, string middle linebacker and lineman, but I was always a weightlifter. Okay. And did you did you like it right off the bat? Was it like, hey, this is something for me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like. Again, in hindsight, I can remember like one time telling a cousin that yeah, I really just don't like uh, biking or running or swimming, but I really like lifting weights. And that was before I'd even touched anything. It was just like, it, it helped me, but 
yeah, going into it, I was like, yeah, this is fun. Why? Because I didn't have to, you know, exert myself to feeling like my lungs were going to explode. Interesting. And I'm, I'm just curious, like, what about it when you were younger? Because I think it's always interesting, you know, trying to figure out how to motivate younger people to get into healthy sports. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it, if you remember, that you thought was cool or fun or interesting? It, remember? Well, yeah, it was really what it comes down to is the reason I kept lifting was the community. Okay. And that I feel like that's the big part of the fitness world now is developing a community. It's not this struggle. It's not the terrible stuff. It's not the effort you're putting in. It's those are all great and you value them, but it's really the community. Like the people that were in the lifting hall or the training hall were people that I could talk to. They're a bunch of guys and gals that we would just like talk about, you know, shoot the shit about movies, videos, about, you know, competition, about this kind of stuff. And granted, when I first started, it was like, oh, I got to hang out with my brother and all of his friends. And it's always fun to hang out with your brother's friends. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Do you think that if you just were doing lifting in your garage, you would have thought it was still as cool? Or was the community that thing that was essential for you? Um, I really doubt I would have been as motivated to keep going had I just started in the garage at 12, 13. It really took several years of being in the community of like, oh, this is what I do. And because I'm in the community, I'm expected to compete or train. So it's that almost accountability as well. It's like, oh, if you don't show up, somebody's going to be like, hey, where were you? And then after that kind of settled in, it's like, oh, no, this is part of me. This is what I like to do. That's where I was able to, I can train on my own because I'm now committed to these different goals. So then I could then, all right, I'm going to train because I have no time other than these times. So now I'm going to train. Super, super interesting takeaway there. And do you think that, when people are looking to get into lifting that they should be like interviewing the communities or like hanging out there before they make a decision as to like, Hey, I'm going to actually commit to this gym or facility or or club. Yeah. If they have the, if they have the time to choose that and they're not in any kind of rush, absolutely. Because something I've seen through the years of lifting is a lot of bullshit can come from as my first swear. (laughs) can come from uh you know a bad interaction with somebody or you know let it be you start dating someone in there and that happened a lot when people were in high school is they would start dating in in the gym and then you know you're young and everything and stuff doesn't end well and then somebody ends up doesn't feel comfortable being at the gym and that is surprisingly common for lifting clubs and i assume crossfits as well when it comes to, you know, inner gym relationships is they can cause some issues and there's nothing against them. It's just, you know, that can create some, some problems. Totally. Yeah, totally. So when I first met you, we were in at a comp CrossFit competition and I was like, man, this guy is a cool guy. I mean, he's got a fanny pack on. So but that's, but he seems like a good guy, you know, I, and we hung out for the weekend at this CrossFit competition. And then yeah. I got back home and I was talking with my girlfriend about you because, you know, obviously our girlfriends are friends and whatnot. Yep. And she had said to me, oh, yeah, David is actually, you know, really strong guy. And I was like, huh, he never really talked about it. I was like, I knew that you were a lifting coach and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, you know, how much can you snatch? How much can you clean and jerk? And the numbers were freaking insane. So I was like, well, if you, you know, it's hard to like lead in. Hey, my name's Dave and I can snatch, you know, 300 and what pounds. But I was like, man, we talked like the whole weekend. I never knew that, you know, walking away from the conversations, how awesome an athlete you are. So maybe this is something that you are proud of or not, but what are the accomplishments that you've achieved? And, and of those accomplishments, what are you most proud of in your lifting? Uh, when it comes to specifically lifting, it probably uh, right now, my highest achievement was I was on the junior world team in 2009, going to uh, Bucharest, Romania and competed and got like 22nd or something like that in the world for 94 kilograms. Nice. So that would be the lifting ones, but 
when it comes to everything else, like I'm really happy and proud that I became you know, a chiropractic doctor. Um, the year before I went to Junior Worlds or the season before I went to Junior Worlds, I completed a year of uh, University of Washington NRTC, which my father did back in the 70s. And it was even though I never served my country, it was, I was proud to get the, you know, the scholarship and go through the full year to see if that was a direction I wanted to take, which I eventually did not. And then obviously before that, it was Eagle Scout. Like those are things that were not fun. Like through all those things, they were not, you wouldn't say in the moment, oh yeah, this was a ton of fun, but it's always looking back to like, that was a great accomplishment or that was a great kind of like uh, amalgamation of experience. Very cool. Very cool. And just so that we can toot your horn, what is your, (laughs) what is your max clean and jerk and what's your max snatch? Max clean and jerk is 183 and max, and that's kilograms because I only speak, try to speak in kilograms. And then my max snatch um, in competition is 150 kilos. Um, in training, I believe it was 152. So 183, just so these people listening who don't understand kilograms, is a yeah. 402.6. There we go. And what was the snatch? Uh, 152 kilos, which is roughly is like 335 pounds. Yep, 334.4. So, okay, so 334, let's round down. <laughs> that is freaking amazing, man. Um, those are those are lifts that people are, you know, happy about when they deadlift. So, uh, I, <laughs> like I like I I think I said it to you before like you should walk around CrossFit competitions with your clean and jerk and your snatch numbers on your shirt. And people would like flock to you and be like, can you coach me, man, please? (laughs) It would, it would happen. But (laughs) anyway, so you're obviously very passionate about chiropractics and Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic. I went through kinesiology, uh, well, I have a kinesiology degree myself and that was one of the things that I was interested in and have a lot of friends that went that chiropractic route. So what made you decide to go into chiropractic school and become a chiropractor rather than being a physical therapist or like a strength conditioning coach or whatever else is open to someone with interests that you have? Um, a few aspects there. I started with uh, sports medicine in high school. That was a lot of fun. So it was like an uh, athletic training kind of aspect, kind of anatomy and phys, all that kind of route. And actually, one of the lifters, who's actually a doctor in cardiopulmonary studies, Aaron Pierce, mm-hmm. he actually was in that. And he's like, yeah, it's a really fun class. So I decided to go that route in school. So through high school, then going to the University of Washington, I took a history degree uh, just to make things a little bit easier for me. And I just had the plan of, I'll just be a history teacher. I can maybe become a lifting coach or something like that, but I'll have a, you know, a satisfying life with that. However, all the people I looked up to as teachers, such as my father, my grandfather, several of my middle school teachers, they were like, are you sure you want to be a teacher? I'm like, no, it's like a, it's like a good backup. And it's like, you don't have a primary? It's like, no, it's a good backup. And I'm like, if you don't want to be a teacher, like that's number one, do not be a teacher, simply because they're saying it's harder and harder and harder to get a job, but also to stay motivated through teaching. And at the time going through school, I was working as a chiropractic assistant in federal way part-time and i spoke to the doctors there dr larry ball uh dr don bell um who's a who's a lifter as well they're like be a chiropractor like you do well with it with the patients you're personable you understand the basic you have the degrees for it like it would be a good lifestyle for you i was like okay i'll look into it and i spent about 18 months doing prerequisite stuff and then that's how i got on the path to becoming a chiropractor and it just made sense because from sports medicine all the way to becoming a chiropractor, what hindsight is I wouldn't be the lifter I am today and I wouldn't have the ability I have today without that because I hit those best numbers while going through chiropractic school. I understood my body enough that I could take time to let it heal, take time to let it recover and know when to push, which was not, never during finals week. That was for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So let's dig into a little bit further. Like what specific things do you think about knowing your body, um, helped with your lifting? Like if you can give any examples. 
let's just go with a buzzword mobility. Mm-hmm. I knew from understanding the physiology of and the kinematics of motion that there were restrictions or anatomical restrictions. So stuff I can't change about my body, but there's a ton that I can change. So lengthening of tissue, strengthening of tissue, getting that kind of stuff. So then I was able to actually improve my rack position, my front rack position. So I could actually front squat more and then clean jerk more ideally. Uh, that was a the big kind of change with that one. I've had, I've had a hip pain that I'm still kind of dealing with, but was able to kind of manage and move around and train and push my heaviest weights while I was experiencing that stuff. And I think the biggest thing was having one fellows in the program that I was able to kind of shoot shit off of, but then also like, all right, this is, I've seen this help me. I, I'm going to kind of really exhaust that until it doesn't help me anymore. And then I'll choose a different kind of direction or choose a different motion or exercise or adjustment or what have you. So it was really appreciation of the body awareness and, you know, being in a community that was like, like-minded and wanted to be able to help other people with similar problems. So I we all kind of became little studies for each other. Like, Oh, did it help this person who was doing this stuff? And kind of on a tangent there is as a musculoskeletal therapist, whether PT, Cairo, thought, massage therapy, acupuncture, people who deal with that neuromusculoskeletal systems, if they're not moving, they're not being the best practitioner they can. And again, that's just my opinion. There's plenty of people who are great therapists and probably don't aren't as active as I am. But if you have a greater body awareness or understanding of the body and you aren't kind of pushing it, I feel like you're doing yourself a little disservice. Agreed. 100%. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. And the, the question is, why aren't those people moving around doing stuff? I don't know. Same reason, like, same reason we all don't do something. Something comes up. We have an excuse. There's always going to be an excuse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At some point, we all kind of fall under that, you know, oh, I got to get this stuff done. Sure. As a busy, as a busy guy yourself and having a lot on your plate, how do you deal with that? Uh, the best thing, and it is May mental health month is to give yourself some patience, let yourself mess up, let yourself kind of flounder, miss a workout, not sleep as well, not eat as well. Like allow mistakes to occur without getting down yourself. Nice. And then when those mistakes occur, how do you get yourself back on track uh recognize yeah again recognize you made the mistake and like okay analyze it as uh, a standard of living and kind of almost really nitpick all right where where did i lose it where did i like stray off the path was like oh i haven't been sleeping enough because you know i just get roped into whatever netflix series or um i don't sleep as well because my nutrition was off or you know, maybe I'm having a few too many drinks because I'm feeling wore out at the end of the day. So I want to relax. But mm-hmm. in turn, you end up having like two drinks and that kind of throws off your sleep cycle. So really kind of nitpick some stuff, almost like a, a food log, but just do a habit log that's nice. like, okay, this stuff is beneficial. Like this is good. I'm still doing this, but oh, I did this, this, and this, and that's kind of creating this aspect. And you don't have to get into like scientific studies to realize, oh, you're a, you're one person and you have all this control here. So maybe you should cut that one out or that one's not as important. So I'm going to devote a little more time to self-care or, you know, something on that, along that one. Yeah, absolutely. And something that, that I uh, didn't think of asking you before it, that popped into my head as you were talking there is like when you were moving up the, the ranks as an athlete, or even like becoming the the chiropractor that you are, were there any things that stuck stood out to you that were like major struggle points for you, or was it all kind of smooth sailing? Um, major struggle points was interpersonal relationship type stuff. So going through school, mm-hmm. and then like just managing school, like really realizing that I can't, you can't always have your cake and eat it too. You kind of have to get rid of that work-life balance and realize the balance happens over your entire life. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a moment or a day or an hour, you're going to be like, I'm only thinking about this or I'm only thinking about this, or I have to schedule time 
to be with those people that are most important because, you know, if you own your own business, like if you're the only guy or only girl in the office, like you got to take care of this business and there's going to be no one else there. So all right, I'm going to focus on this one and let the people who are in my life know like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little absent. And obviously that I've, that befell me a few times through school. And what I would say is I saw that happening with my colleagues who were in marriages or with kids or, you know, they were at the school as often as I was, but they had people at home that they literally had to feed. So they had to make that balance. And unfortunately, a reality of those programs is a lot of relationships struggle and may not make it out of it. And the people that made time outside of those, like realize, hey, I'm going to be at school from blah, 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 to blah, 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 these many days a week. And then we're going to make these times for us. So getting rid of the idea of work, right, work, life balance, and just realizing the balance happens over your life. As long as you like take the day to day stuff as, all right, I'm going to plan this. I'm going to be diligent about this kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. And what, what type of things right now are you setting up for your next steps like what are your goals for your sport and life right now um sport is to get back into it because after graduating school i had this kind of lull complacency feel and a big common thing is after school people kind of go through it some people get sick like my employer she got real deathly ill like two months out of out of school um i i kind of go through this complacency like oh i can manage my own schedule i get to choose where i go and I was able to train a little bit, um, like to have fun with it and able to kind of just go to school and then have days off and more of a complacency thing. So that caused me to go into a mild deconditioning. And I took this last year off of competing just to kind of focus on practice and kind of setting up for that question you're asking. Mm-hmm. And so I'm balancing out to obviously get back to my sport and as always just go as far as I can. So I always put high stuff shoot for the moon if you miss you end up among the stars so i have like national champion i would love to be national champion in the 85 or the 94 kilogram classes i'm a 94 currently i have been from 2008 to now in my opinion and uh it'd be awesome to obviously compete at the international level again that would be a great experience because obviously the the platform has changed mostly in the aspect of who is, who is competing and the levels both like an age and ability, because obviously the peds argument type stuff is definitely in a impact a lot of thing. And that'd be a whole different podcast we could get into, <laughs> yeah. but like, it's obviously opened up a lot of doors for people at every level to kind of get into this sport or any sport really and compete to their very best. So to really do a broad term, be my very best to, until I feel peaceful with, leaving the sport or at least powering it down but definitely uh national champion would be great and then obviously world champion because again shoot for the moon yeah absolutely and how do you how do you know when you'll be okay with shutting it down and do you think that there's a, a point at where you may not be okay with it and you'll just continue you know burning the candle yeah um in Again, I'm not okay with it ending right now because I definitely have like emotion tied to it. I definitely identify as a lifter, as I said from the very beginning. So there is some unhealthy kind of belief in there that I should start to think about, all right, what are the kind of signs that I'm like, okay, this is still very important in my life, but I'm not going to put the same amount of, you know, stress and pressure on performance aspect, but maybe or rather outcomes, but more stress on the performance. Because as uh, Donovan Ford said, he trains at Vulcan a little bit more often now, but everyone sucks at weightlifting. Just some of us suck at a little heavier weight. (laughs) It's it's a matter of, it's because it is individual effort. It doesn't matter what's on the bar. It's just a matter that you're giving 100% effort. And when I get to that point where I'm like, you know, I I don't feel like giving 100% effort right now. And I want to, maybe explore something else and I'm just like straight faced, no problem. I think that'll be the time that I'll know that I'm good to move on. Cool. And how about for your coaching chiropractic life? 
what kind of things are you trying to accomplish there? Um, I would love to be, um, you know, a member, a founder or owner of some sort of community that helps to build people up. Because a big thing I've learned from the chiropractic gig is there's frustration points that are all part of the job, but there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of combine a training hall with chiropractic or with physical therapy that kind of, you know, movement is medicine kind of principle. And then just get the benefit of the reason I started lifting was the community. So start to actually, you know, create that community. So then other people can be pulled into it as well and see the benefits of physical activity because the more and more we move in the, in the culture we are, especially in the United States is everyone's relying on, on these sciences and technologies to develop some cure to stuff. And really the science is continues to push us back to, you should be working toward prevention. Don't mm-hmm. wait until you have the disease to deal with it. Prevent that shit from happening. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that's something that people need to take away from every single, you know, thing that I do is like test and, you know, do preventative maintenance on a regular basis and, you know, be talking with people that are progressive in that and, you know, get all the information that you can and Mm -hmm. avoid putting your head in the sand and just waiting for something to happen. Absolutely. Yep. So, I think that sounds fantastic. I think that there's not enough places like you're describing out there. And Mm -hmm. I know that at at my CrossFit gym, we've tried to kind of create relationships to have those things happen. But in an ideal world, that is what you described is where it's at, you know, having that very collaborative um, component of of all those different lives or, or all those different professions coming together so that people can have a life that is not only preventative, but then also accelerating their performance and, you know, whether that be weight loss or just performing better at lifting or whatever it may be in order to be the best person they can be. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be freaking awesome. Um, And so let's, let's shift gears, not technically not so much. We've been talking about lifting the whole time, but I know that a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be like, man, why don't you guys talk about, you know, how to lift heavy weights and all this fun stuff. And, yeah, we're yeah. going to get into that. So um, let's say that you have a new client and they want to be the best that they can possibly be. And I'm sure that there's so many scenarios that we're not going to be able to get into here. And that's, that's fine. But uh, if people, you know, want to reach out to you after this, they can totally do that. Um, mm-hmm. But you have a new client. What's the process? Uh, with that aspect, whether it's a, you know, chiropractic client or, even a, uh, you know, lifter or something like that, that, all right, I'm the coach in this aspect. It's a goal specific kind of health history. And that's whether kind of what we spoke about is like, are you, is your goal weight loss? Is your goal performance? Is your goal this? Most of the people I see are obviously they're in pain. They want some help. They need somebody to, to reassure them or they're the, the lifter is like, Hey, I'm having some struggles here. How can I go about this or what program? So really seeing, okay, is this, you want to be competitive lifter is this you want to increase your work capacity so then that way you can go further with crossfit or is this hey i i'm having trouble picking up my freaking kids and i just need some way to get out of this pain so yeah it's going to be a goal specific history then we can go down the rabbit hole both ways when it comes to lifting versus the chiropractic but honestly it it, it you kind of meld meld the two when you've been in my in my shoes which is I can use strength and conditioning. I can use my lifting stuff to essentially try and maybe give that person who's having trouble lifting their kids like, Hey, if you do this for 10 minutes a day, you can reduce your pain or you can use this motion to kind of take away your pain. And then we can then strengthen up by incorporating your family into your daily life to kind of increase resistance training because more and more studies are coming out. They continue to do so that, resistance training or some kind of exercise is beneficial to your health. So even if you can't make it to the gym, there's stuff around your house that you can move. That's going to make you a little bit stronger and fitter. Yeah, absolutely. And let's say that, uh, I come to you and I'm like, Hey David, I want to be as strong as humanly possible and be competitive. Yep. So in that aspect, uh, we're, we're talking about, all right, where are you, where are your current levels? So we might just ask, current weights you're lifting what's the where, where do you think the flaw is who is your current coach and stuff like that because that's one thing is i've accepted is right now i'm not 
the coach you're going to want because I am not doing a lot of remote coaching. I'm not doing a lot of programming and stuff like that. So I'd like to be more of that chiropractic, that clinical side of, hey, let's add this little exercise in your warm-up. Let's kind of add this stuff in. Let's speak to your coach about where we can kind of include these different kind of exercises or motions that'll benefit your strength, your coordination, all that kind of stuff. And then because I'm not the best when it comes to nutrition, because I have no additional information when it comes to, or education when it comes to that, other than the very brief stuff we get in chiropractic school, let's go and try and speak to someone who's more versed with that kind of stuff. So instead of being the, I'm the one-stop shop for this, mm-hmm. let's just be me. Let's have me be a super connector here and let's get this best person and this best person and this best person all in your corner. Because if someone says they did it all themselves, they're most likely a liar or they're a superhuman and we need to interview that person. <laughs> no kidding. They probably don't have that life balance that you talked about earlier. They're probably just Correct. that. They have no friends, no family. All they do is that one thing. And I still don't know how that would be possible. Yes, exactly. So that, that's how I get it. It's more getting connection, making a tribe, and, and then just like, a, let's try some stuff. Let's analyze it after three weeks. Let's analyze it after six weeks. Let's, let's look at the data we're getting from that. That's why you write stuff down in a training log. It's, it's surprising how many people still don't write stuff down or like track their own their stuff and just expect things to happen. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, I'm with you. If you don't measure it, you're, you can't really expect to have a result, can you? Like, right. Cause then you don't know if the, what, what the result is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So those of you listening, if you want to improve anything, start just writing it down, measuring it. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Um, so I know this is a super vague question, but I know that people uh, ask me this all the time. And since you are the lifting guru, what are the most important things for a lifter to focus on? Uh, it's going to be separating strength from capacity or work capacity, okay. because what we do in the gym every day is essentially work capacity. So that's physical. That's your body. Essentially, put weight on it. It adapts. It gets bigger. You know, it heals. What have you? But strength is of the mind, and strength is when is developed when you have a workout that did not go your way, did not go as expected, and you show up the next day ready to kind of essentially do it again. And because I mean, we probably agree that stre- there are many, many strong people out there who have probably never lifted a weight in their life because they've gone through some sort of trauma or struggle or what have you. And those individuals are very strong and probably would make amazing athletes given the opportunity. But I think, as you said, the thing that they need to separate in their mind is, okay, strength is the, is the gut wrenching continuous grit you're going to experience going through a training program. And then work capacity, work capacity is throwing a weight on and walking around with it. Work capacity is doing squats. Work capacity is doing the, the bike, doing the jump rope, doing all that kind of stuff. That's increasing work capacity. Okay. So do you think that somebody who can, who's trying to develop strength will get it just by going through the workouts? Or do you think that there's something extra that has to be put into that like intensity or whatnot in order to continue developing the strength? So developing the strength in the mind, it's really going to come to that point of I'm going to continue to do this, even though it hurts or rather even because it's even because it's difficult that's where the strength comes in that comes in with you know athletes dealing with injury that comes with i'm going through a chipper or a wad or a workout and oh i'm supposed to be able to do these weights right now because we you know we've linearly moved up and it's not happening today and that's where having a, a coach in the moment and can be kind of like the objective measure of you know sometimes you don't feel good and maybe you're burnt out because of let's look at your habits. Like you haven't been sleeping well. That's going to be a big thing. You, why are you not eating or, or what have you? Or maybe there's some kind of emotional distress going on. Like having that objective person in your life, whether it be a coach, a partner, or what have you, is really going to help you progress to that next level and build that strength up because that strength is what's going to keep that you perpetuating and showing up. So then that way you continue to move that work capacity up. Sure. Sure. And how do you usually find 
or how do you advise people to find this objective person? I know there's going to be people listening that don't have those people in their lives. And I'm a huge advocate of like, you know, we are the five people that we spend most time around. So spend your time around some really cool freaking people that you want to be like, but Mm -hmm. I, I want to like know how, how do you approach that? If somebody doesn't necessarily have it set up already. Uh, one would be, uh, you kind of alluded to this earlier, like interview the community, interview like the people who are there, how long have they been there, how many coaches have they had, and this is just a pet peeve of mine, is people who jump teams and jump coaches. Now, okay. I can sit up here in my righteous aspect of being a Calpian from Washington State under John Thrush for as long as I have been, because... You know, I've had great coaches. I've had good experience. And, you know, I didn't move out of state. I didn't move any, anywhere other than to Portland in the, like, later years of my lifting. But if you don't give someone the chance to show that they care about you, which John Thrush did and my current coach, Chris Petrie, does, like, if you don't give a chance for that to happen, then you can't see that they care more about your success. And So something I always look for a real coach because everybody can go to a seminar and get the label coach, but people – who are not caring more about the success, success of their athletes or who are not uh, giving that extra of like, you know, I'm a coach because I care about these individuals. I've taken them under my tutelage. I'm going to help them get to that point and kind of sacrifice a few things in my life for that. Those are real coaches. And people who just call themselves coach after a weekend, I, I'm sorry, but you have some time to put in first. Sure. And how do you find these people? Well, with the world we have, Google's a good start. Um, You can always look at any kind of social media aspect. Again, if you're interested in CrossFit, if you're interested in weightlifting, Google search or map search, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh, show up. Actually, there's a good example is um, there's a student who is now creating a Vulcan weightlifting who's going through the same program I did. He was, I think, only a year my junior. And he was actually going to several barbell clubs in the Portland area and talking to the coaches. And, and I'm sure part of the fact that I was at Vulcan and I, I talked them up a lot, maybe influenced a little bit, but he, the first day he didn't even lift. He literally just came in and talked to Damian Melnikov, the head coach, just to like see what his training principles are, what he is. And he didn't even lift. And actually I talked to Damien after the fact and he was like, Oh shit, I should have just told him like he could have lifted for free the first day, like just hang out. <laughs> but yeah, this individual just walked out. He ended up, ended up actually having uh, committing to train there. And now he's there more and more often and everything like that. Cool. And just cause I don't necessarily understand the lifting side of things quite as much as I do the CrossFit. When somebody yeah. joins a, a club or you know, a, a specific lifting gym, how does that work? Is there usually like a head coach and then you have, and, and then that person works with you a certain amount and there's people underneath them or what's the, the structure of that usually? Um, what I've seen has been, there's always a head coach and then there might be a few other people with coaching certifications, but they're still kind of athletes. And mm-hmm. then you kind of work together because the head coach can't be, you know, just a, head on a swivel just checking everybody out seeing everybody lift and such like that so they might start really kind of intense when you first start but then they're going to start to drift away and they kind of drift away as other people start to police themselves in that group and such like that so instead of maybe a crossfit workout where you have several people going and the coach kind of like moves around and like might help this person out and then walk over and help this person out much like we're going to do on sunday the head coach is really, he's there and available, but it really comes down to, or you're showing up and then somebody, you can ask somebody else to film you or ask somebody else to like take a look at it as opposed to just showing in, showing up and just lifting without any kind of interaction with people. Sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, how about this? What are the things that lifters tend to focus on, but you don't think they really should? Um, it's the aspect of training versus testing. And I've had this argument with um, just athletes in general. And testing is stuff that replicates your competition or increases your stress response. If you're getting to that struggle point of, you know, lungs are burning. If you're getting to that point of, you know, 
you're getting like a little riled up from your lifting, then you're in a testing situation. Training is essentially low gear lugging up the hill. You're in, in second gear, third gear, maybe. You're not in fourth, fifth, sixth gear. So if you feel like you're really kind of redlining it, that's a test. And it's something I see a lot with CrossFitters is to get really good at CrossFit, I'm convinced it's you don't always just do a test kind of workout. You're not going to test Cindy. You're not going to test Fran. You're not going to test those things all the time. You might go through it but and do the, the actual lifts at a heavier weight and the move, movement movements, but you're not going to go with the same intensity or speed you're going to go through. So start training and stop testing. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. And having been an athlete that didn't really understand that when I first got into CrossFit, yeah, it's, it, you can't test all the time. Your body burns out on that. Correct. Um, and it, how much do you recommend people test versus train? Do you have a, a idea on that? Um, I, when it comes to how I program for myself and others would be, you would probably test two to three times in a, a, a up cycle, which would be roughly two weeks, maybe three. Then you would have a down week, a down week taking away all tests and really just doing a lot of kind of baseline uh, ballistic work. So essentially anything under 60% or what have you. So every two weeks you would have two or three test days. So, you know, everybody does the, you know, uh, max out Fridays or something like that. You don't necessarily need to max out, but you definitely need to bump up your intensity, maybe focus on a certain lift or something like that. So I'd say in 14 days, three, two to three of those, you'd be kind of, Hey, we're going to test this stuff. Whereas the rest of them are kind of, Again, low gear, second, third gear at max, and you're kind of playing in that 65, 75% range for higher volumes and such. Interesting. And if you're in the 65 to 75 percentage range, and let's say we use an example of like a back squat, um, what number of, are you programming that based off of repetitions or feel, or how are you doing that? So with that one, Earlier in the, in the training cycle, now I, I pretty much just talked about the three weeks, the two weeks of up and one week of taper. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a full training cycle, you're obviously jumping up that kind of median you're going to work from, some 65 to 75, maybe the next week you're doing 70 to 80, what have you, or the next uh, chunk or block. So when it comes to the back squat, you're probably, again, starting out in more of a hypertrophy phase, more volume and such like that, then transitioning into that strength phase. If it's a weightlifting specific person and you are peaking for meets, then you're definitely dropping more rapidly and focusing on that strength. So in a 65 to 75% range, you're probably sitting anywhere from uh, 10 to eight reps at that you know, lower percentage and then uh, kind of dipping your toes into those higher percentages. And again, the 65 to 75%, it's more of a kind of like, hey, this is the kind of loose aspect and if I could say, say, say one thing is programs are not written in stone and athletes get a really kind of upset when they don't hit the weights that are supposed to be in there, or maybe they're having difficulty with that stuff. It's made as a kind of a loose framework that you can move and jive based on how you're feeling and how the coach is seeing you move. Very interesting. And so I've been interviewing a fair number of high level CrossFit athletes lately. And I think it'd be interesting to get your opinion on this. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I've noticed when interviewing them is that they go through more training cycles that are less CrossFit esque than I think that the average CrossFit population would, would assume. Um, And for example, I've had several people tell me that they'll go into like a three or more month strength training, you know, uh, priority after the, after the training season. And they won't even, and that will just be like, Hey, I'm a lifter for three or four months and then, or or longer depending on the type of athlete they are. And they're, so their focus is essentially not doing CrossFit as CrossFit is prescribed for the general population to get better at the sport of CrossFit. Right. Um, What do you think about that idea? And do you agree with it? Well, um, we'll get to this later, but uh, one of my top books is Relentless by Tim Grover, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first guys to approach the Bills, or excuse the Bills, the Bulls about 
you know, adding weightlifting or kind of strength and performance into building up basketball players. So the answer to that is, do you get better at basketball by just continuously playing basketball? You do the fundamentals. Absolutely. You do drills. Absolutely. But to get, to get bigger, faster, and stronger in those things, you did stuff outside of it. You diversified your portfolio when it came to your athletic ability. Mm-hmm. So s- focusing too much on your sport, it's essentially like holding on to something for too long. It's, you know, it's like Lenny from of mice and men is you love something so much, <laughs> then you crush it. And then it's dead. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it, I think it's I think it's pretty interesting and 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 eye opening as well. Where you get these people that are like, "Hey, I need to improve upon strength," which is usually the thing that most of these people have to improve upon, unless they're like you, for example. If you came in and wanted to be competitive crossfit, you got a great strength background, so the you know other things that you might be focusing on. But a lot of us, just, work, yeah. yeah, a lot of us just need to to get stronger. So. You know, I've talked to guys that have taken six months and just been lifters and then they will bring Metcon and, and conditioning back in as the quote unquote season comes back. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, Absolutely. interesting philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this kind of was similar to the last question, but I'm thinking of it from more of like a, a technical or movement standpoint. Um, what are the most common faults that you see in, in lifters? And let's even let, narrow that down to like, let's say squat, deadlift, clean and jerk, snatch. Um, what are the common faults that you see that people have? Um, when it comes to the squat, um, hip motion and being too kind of concerned with being like somebody else. So comparison aspect is like, all right, squat is essentially – you know, hip flexion, knee flexion, and then, you know, extension on the way up. And there's a lot of power lifters out there are pretty fucking strong and they can move some serious weight, but maybe they're not as mobile. So really the benefit of the high bar squat or the Olympic squat is, you know, pairing position with that overall strength type stuff. So what I see with that one is the squat is just like, oh, my squat doesn't look like them. I'm not getting as low or what have you. So my recommendation would be control your shit, slow it down, you know, move a little bit better. And you, if you want to increase your mobility, then obviously talk to your coach and talk to your practitioner or what have you. That's what I'd see for squat, moving straight into the deadlift. People don't know how to hip hinge. Like there's crossers out there that use a lot of their smaller muscles and joints to do a lot of motion. And that's putting them more at risk for injury. It does not, you know, destine them for injury, but it definitely puts them more at more at risk. Mm-hmm. And it'll be something we get into on Sunday again is just using the big joints and the big muscles for all your big jobs. If you're under load, if you're under duress, you need to use your hips. You need to use your shoulders. Totally. Nope. Um, as it comes for snatch and stuff like that, it's similar to the front rack and the clean. It's a lot of like motions that I see with the upper back that aren't as coordinated or even just the trunk. So your abdominals, your, your erectors, your obliques that are less coordinated in essentially using one side front or back or even left to right more than the other side. So that's where we can kind of work on the capacity conversation of just like, Hey, just carry some heavy stuff away around every once in a while, do some unilateral training, balance yourself out a little bit better. Interesting. And, uh, I've heard that a lot lately and it seems to be, it probably starts with the lifters and then gets into CrossFit after that, but like the, just carrying heavy shit around and how that can be a great, great movement. And why do you think that is, um, can you dig into that a little bit further? Um, really I was, I was having a conversation with Zach Filer from CrossFit hinge and I was trying to like correlate, you know, why do f- people feel better after doing just weighted carries? Why do feel people do after this stuff? Like, and there's the conversation of time under tension. Like how can you equiv? how can you have an equivalency of a squat versus just, you know, carrying the same weight in a farmer carry or a yoke carry or something like that. It's like in a yoke carry, you're literally just walking with the bar in the same place, but you're just not using the major muscle groups in the same way. Is the body still getting stimulus based on post-activation potentiation, which is essentially, 
you know, load the muscle up. So then you recruit as much motor units as possible and then drop weight down. And then essentially you've recruited, let's say you loaded 200 kilos in the bar and then dropped it to like 180. You just use 200 kilos worth of motor units to move 180 kilos of motor units or uh, of actual kilograms. So it's that time under tension. And again, I have nothing to support this, but it's the aspect of time under tension versus repetition. So just picking up stuff, moving, you're increasing your work capacity just by, Hey, I was able to move this much tonnage or this many kilos in this amount of time. And now I feel like I can move a little bit better under load, whether it's more complex movement, like the snatch clean jerk squat pole. Very cool. And do you recommend, or have you seen people immediately feel better about it? So like you have them warm up or even like get warmed up, but then carry some heavy stuff around and then snatch and clean and jerk. Uh, yes. All anecdotal, of course. Okay. Uh, Damien, uh, he's, he's been playing around with some strongman movements. Uh, the head coach at Vulcan, he's been playing around with that. That's a, a great one that I've seen. Uh, even in my private practice, I've seen people with just doing like some suitcase carries with, we have only up to 25 pound kettlebell in there, but just doing some kind of suitcase carries or, or lunges or unilateral type stuff. And then having them move around after having no additional intervention, such as adjusting soft tissue, whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, it feels a little better. So the whole movement is medicine thing really plays a big aspect with that. And then obviously in the performance stuff, we want to maybe increase that load. Okay, cool. And something that stood out there that, that I picked up on was the uh, motor unit recruitment. Um, and do you think that it's advantageous for people then if like, let's say you're trying to hit a heavy, a very heavy, like 10 rep uh, back squat to go heavier first to try and get more motor recruitment and then go back down in weight to that? Would that be beneficial? Absolutely. I know that uh, the mash, mash squat or mash elite or whatever, they call it the mash method, but it's post-activating potentiation. It's a physiological principle. So I don't know. It's like saying breathing is, is somebody else's method. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're a very successful team. I'm not taking anything away from them with that one. But, yeah, doing do more motor unit recruitment. Almost like, okay, I'm going to go for a single rep, but then I'm going to drop from doing 10. Or even just like, hey, I'm going to attempt a single rep, and maybe if, even if I fail, you still, did, you still did the eccentric load. And that's, that's where you get most of your strength is the eccentric. The concentric is – you can hold a lot more weight doing eccentrics than you can doing concentric. Sure. How about if you're like getting ready for a max, uh, let's say a max snatch, do yeah. you recommend pulls before that or a heavy deadlift or would that work in the same way? Yeah, I would say, I mean, to be very specific, do a snatch pull, but just don't be worried about the speed off the floor. Cause it's going to feel like death mm -hmm. and just pull on that one get that ballistic aspect at your launch platform at the power position. I mean, I, I know I did it in some of my uh, national competitions. I believe that many other teams are starting to do it more often and it's not an aspect to tire the athlete out, but just, yeah, prime the nervous system because meat or excuse me, muscle is just meat. And if the nervous system is ready to fire, it can do a whole hell of a lot. And how, how much do you, recommend or do you think you should go up to on those pulls before trying to go back down and actually do the snatches um i would say what was i pulling on i was pulling on when i was competing anywhere from 105 110 percent okay. prior to that max attempt but i had maybe two or three minutes before my name was called yeah Okay, so you were actually in a in a competing scenario. You were doing the polls and then nothing else before you went onto the platform. So obviously, we did the full warm up, right? And uh, the way I coach in the competition is I I bump up the athlete and tell him like, "Hey, you're ready to go right now. We're only warming up so we can show that we're actually human." Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna warm up just like we would, and then that that max pull or that something that would occur. Like while we complete our full warm up, now we're on our three competition lifts. So, and we might not only do that for maybe our second and third attempts, as opposed to the first one, which we're already warm for and prime for. 
Very cool. Interesting stuff, man. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to have follow-up questions on this, but uh, I know that we're running a little bit long here, so I want to get yeah, you no, out of get you out of here. Um, so shifting gears into the nutritional component, I know you kind of already mentioned this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Is there a new cr- nutritional component to people that you work with? Uh, is not vast. It is no. not vast. I'm, I'm essentially just getting into like, all right, what are you eating? Do you track your stuff? Is there somebody helping you? And yeah. depending on their commitment, I'm going to recommend, hey, we're, we're going to need somebody else on this one because I'm going to focus on these aspects as opposed to every aspect. Sure. Cool. And the, uh, the loaded question, are you taking new clients? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's uh, chiropractic or even just as a kind of consultant aspect for the weightlifting. I really like the aspect of doing the barbell hacking and kind of doing a brief kind of, Hey, let's take somebody else's look at your kind of lifting. Um, and then when it comes to programming, yes, I can take new clients, but I'm very, very choosing. Okay. And what does that mean exactly? Um, I'm just like, um, when I came down to Portland, I kept my coach back home, but he had worked with me for, close to three or four years before I departed for school. So he had seen me lift. He had coached me through nationals. He's done this stuff. So really it was, well, we would do some video logs during the week, but when he gave me a program, I was able to do some stuff and he knew how I was doing it correctly. Or if I had some issues, I would film it and send it to him and he would give me something. I do not feel comfortable at where I am to, I have never met you before you approached me online and now you're my client. It would take a four day evaluation just to see how you move under load and to make sure we're not dealing with anything uh, external or additional, like maybe injury or something like that. It would be a a arduous process to get me on to do somebody remotely. If I'm seeing you more often, like in the Portland area, absolutely. I can do something like that really easy. Cool. Very cool. And uh, something that we've talked about quite a bit is, you know, books that you're reading, that type of thing. And I know that you're really, well, people should understand this already, really in-depth thinker and, and good thinker. And, and you, you know, obviously have gotten that from learning a lot of stuff from other people. Do you have a top five book, podcast, or video list? Uh, yeah, I got a top five books. And one, I mentioned uh, Relentless by Tim Grover or Gover. I believe mm-hmm. uh, again, he helped with the bulls and he, it's, he's essentially using anecdotal evidence of some of the best players in the NBA uh, about, you know, their mindsets. And a lot of them had, you know, demons they dealt with, whether it would be uh, gambling addiction, alcoholism um, that they, you know, had, and that doesn't give an excuse for it, but it essentially showed the human element of them. And they were still able to achieve these great things because they just chose like, I mean, I think he uh, recommended or said that Charles Barkley, when he broke a leg or something like that, and he was given this terrible prognosis of like, you're going to be out for this many weeks and we're going to have to do this many things. And he went and essentially did 10 or 20 dunks on the unaffected leg just because like, (laughs) hey, I'm going to do something. It's it's that aspect of I'm going to get better at the other side then. Like if this doesn't work for me, fine. I'm going to achieve what I can with this side, the almost life over limb situation. So that's relentless. Um, a mental athlete by Kay Porter. That was a big one. Visualization, just setting yourself up, believing in yourself and, you know, walking through the lifts you do or the athletic performance you do. Visualization is an amazing and freaky thing because when you start to do that, you set yourself up in a better mood and then almost become more appreciative of, Oh, why did I miss that lift? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't do this. I, I, I need to be more like this. So you become a better coach and athlete through that. Um, Last three real quick. One is tribal alchemy and tribal leadership, both kind of focusing on you can't do it yourself. So if you want to build a community, you want to be an athlete, you want to do this stuff, you have to find people who maybe are better than you or even antagonistic to you to Mm -hmm. try and raise everybody's, essentially raise everybody's level. I love that. And then the last one is one I read more recently was mistakes were made, which is just talking about, you know, cognitive dissonance, our, our ability to, you know, say one thing, and but when it comes to us, do another. So, for example, recycling. Like, you know, I, I, I appreciate taking care of the planet. I recycle, but I'm not perfect. And 
there'll be times that I throw something in the trash that probably could be recycled. But I'm like, no, it's okay. Cause most of the time I'm doing this. So I make up excuses for that kind of stuff. And it was just a very interesting kind of book. And those are my top five right now. Cool. Yeah. And I've, I've just put that last one on, on my reading list. Actually, I downloaded it already. It's just sitting next in the queue next up. So I'm excited to read it. Cool. Yeah. So this is kind of a weird question, but I thought it'd be interesting to ask, ask you anyway. Um, if you could step into your 18 year old self with all the things you know now, would you have done anything differently? Um, so to answer the actual question, it would be yes. And it would be the, the, you know, the whole back to the future thing. You buy the sports almanac and you go make a bunch of wagers later. Like that would be one. Okay. Um, when it comes to like the life I live now, I would definitely diversify my training a little bit more, step away from the barbell a little bit more, okay. maybe play around. Um, I would read considerably more. Yeah. I would have read a ton more and I would have accepted, uh, this is something I wrote down, but it was run into the fray more. So start more stuff and suck more. Okay. <laughs> the only way you fucking learn is by fucking up. And because that's the stuff that really kind of, a laser imprints it onto your brain. So even if you fail, like balls to the walls, even if you fail, go as hard as you can and then learn from it. Because let's say, let's admit like 95% of the stuff we do is not threatening to our livelihood or mm-hmm. rather maybe even our life. So not associating life and death with just having anxiety or having a bad day or upsetting someone. But, and th- this is the kind of fun little Zen moment is, I'm who I am because of who I have interacted with. So if I could go back, I might actually make decision to like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm moving in the way I want. I'm happy with the way I'm going. So why would I want to change anything? Cause you know, the whole butterfly effect, again, going back to the back to the future thing. If he changes <laughs> one thing, it could screw up your entire life. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Interesting. I've never asked that question before, so I liked it. That was good. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to that one. Multiple answers. I like it. (laughs) Um, Are there any questions that uh, we didn't cover that you're passionate about that you would like to let everybody know, whether it's, you know, a story coaching or life? Um, No specific questions. Uh, just that I, when it comes to like mentors I look up to in my life, social media obviously offers you a kind of a, a, a snapshot of many, many people in wealthy positions or prominent positions and stuff like that. But when it came to me, those people in those prominent positions, nobody stood out better to me as a, a mentor or anything like that. Or even just, you know, someone up there is like Bruce Lee or even the character from Dragon Ball Z, which is Goku. And both of them kind of embody the same aspect of, you know, do your best. And, you know, let it go when you have a, a big mistake, like not necessarily like don't feel like you're at fault or anything, but definitely like realize you're going to make mistakes and such moving forward. But then along that line, people in your life already are great mentors. Um, my pop, my mom, my aunt and my sister-in-law, great mentors and stuff like that. Just people I look up to and choices they've made throughout their life. And to quote my dad, he's like, lower your expectations. And I know he he says it was a tongue in cheek type situation, but it's an aspect of, you know, aim for the moon. Just like I said before, you're going to, you know, if you've missed end of with the stars, but don't get so caught up in hitting exactly that mark that you don't appreciate the stuff you do achieve. Right. Very nice. Very nice. And I think that we should uh, essentially, end on that with the exception of is there anything that you would like to promote um just you know find a community you're comfortable with and be a part of it um i found many in my life obviously calping weightlifting was a big one for me um down here uh before even visiting the school i was going to go to i found a gym to be a part of and that was vulcan weightlifting awesome community great growing community down here in portland there's tons of more barbell clubs around the area and crossfits but just get into one you're comfortable with and want to start growing with. And obviously it's May. So mental health month, I would like to promote that because there's a lot of us that, you know, could need somebody else to talk to and just feel free to walk out there and find somebody to talk to. Honestly, 
not just on the street because you know they might look at you a little sideways <laughs> nice and if people want to follow you or connect with you how can they do so um instagram is probably the best way and that's at weightlifting doc underscore i think it's at, at weightlifting underscore doc okay cool and uh for everybody's information i'll put all this stuff in the show notes it's going to be extensive show notes here at allaroundjoe.com slash 137 and we will have links to everything including how you can follow david on instagram so david i really appreciate your time appreciate your time had fun talking yeah. with you today and yeah uh, thank you so much yeah thanks a lot and uh yeah man i'll talk to you soon all right take care joe that was my interview with David Reef. I highly recommend that you do check him out and follow him on Instagram at weightlifting underscore doc. I'll put that in the show notes at allaroundjoe.com slash 137. Also, pick up one of those books that David recommended at Audible. You can get yourself a free audiobook by going to allaroundjoe.com slash audible. I know that I am a voracious reader and David is as well. It's how you can just Get ahead faster by reading. So pick yourself up one of those free audiobooks and let me know if you have any questions. The All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. I will see you on the next one.